Hey guys, just to let you know that next weekend, September 30th and October 1st, I will be at Rainbow Space Magic Con. On Saturday, I will be doing a reading from my novel, Dionysus in Wisconsin. That's happening at 1 p.m. Pacific or 4 p.m. Eastern. So I think that's 3 p.m. Central and, you know, 9 p.m. British Summertime, and you can figure out the rest on your own. And then on Sunday, I will be doing a panel entitled How Accurate is Too Accurate? Writing Fantasy and Medieval History, which might be of interest to listeners of this show. And that will be held at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, which is 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central again. The convention itself happens online, so you can register for free on their website, and everything is going on via Zoom, so you don't have to leave your house, which makes this the best possible type of convention to attend, because you can't get con crud. So if you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can check out their website and the other events that are going on, and I hope that I will see you there. Until then... Keep being as accurate as possible in your medievalisms, and yeah, keep it medieval. Veni, veni, venias, and welcome to our podcast. Good evening, and welcome to Ask a Medievalist. I'm M, the Ask portion of our program, and joining me tonight, as always, is Dr. Jesse Noose. Hello. So I've been practicing my blue steel look because we're going to talk about fashion tonight. Yes. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Everything yes. from why you shouldn't wear white after Labor Day uh, yep. to... So actually, when you mentioned that as a thing we were going to talk about, I started remembering this movie that we have just determined was a 1994 <laughs> John Waters flick called Serial Mom. Excellent. Where fantastic. Yes. The the lead character walks up to a woman on a payphone and says, "Don't you know you're not supposed to wear white shoes after Labor Day?" And the woman says, "Oh no, fashion has changed." And the the character grabs the phone from her and just like smacks her with the headset and says, "It hasn't um, which is like, yes. amazing. it's an amazing scene. It wouldn't happen in a modern film for, you know, like you can't beat someone to death with an iPhone. I well, you don't can't think. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like right, not the right. same. Right. iPhone does not have the same heft. Right. Um, but also we should point out it's Kathleen Turner. Yes. Yeah, Kathleen Turner and Patty Hearst as the victim. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a John Waters film. So really... Yeah. You know, I'm sure he could find a payphone somewhere if he wanted to. Yeah, but it, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he'd have something else today. He'd be inventive. I'm sure yes. if, if there's a payphone left in Baltimore, he knows where it is. Yes. Um, but you're right. He would, he would find something else. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He knows. Sure. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but know. yes, we're doing, so fashion don'ts. Yes. We're recording this. Yes, don't. That's the most famous, I would say. On Labor Day. Modern. So yes. your last chance to yes. wear white shoes outside, I guess. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And of course, the point of the scene is, 
at the end, then we see the blood dripping over the white shoes, which I assume means, like, you don't wear white after Labor Day or you will get blood on it. (laughs) But of course, that is sort of, but not actually where this comes from. Um, Yeah, so I think, like, fashion don'ts. Um, Obviously, they still exist. But um, we don't have laws about it, except in as much as certain businesses can say, like, no shirt, no shoes, no service, or whatever. (laughs) Um, Right. But generally speaking, especially in the U.S., we have very few real, um, you know, strong traditions in this way surrounding fashion, which is so you can kind of wear whatever you want, more or less wherever you want, at kind of any time. Americans are famously sort of notorious for this abroad, um, that we mm-hmm. will show up, you know, wearing shorts and a t-shirt anywhere we want to. <laughs> Whereas... <laughs> We're the ones that all the signs are up for that says, like, you must cover your shoulders, you must cover yes, your Yes, if you walk into a church. And, of course, um, yeah. you know, abroad, even if it's 95 degrees out, um, most people are covered. And in Europe, that means, like, they will be wearing sleeves and pants, which is bizarre, let's be fair, when it's really hot. It is mm-hmm. strange, but <laughs> they will be. And, um, yeah, it's sort of how you can tell American, like, we're wearing shorts. T- you know, short sleeves have become common, of course, but, but the shorts and the versus the pants really still makes Americans stand out. Um, but yeah, so white after Labor Day, um, is, we should talk, we're going to talk more about white just generally, but, um, yeah, it's a sort of famous, I don't know, custom, I guess, tradition. Um, but really, the point is, you can wear white in the summer if you're rich, <laughs> because you're not doing anything to get it dirty, right? You right. go off to your, and this isn't just in the US, of course, this is, you know, Europe, etc. Right? You go off to your country house or your beach house or your whatever it is, you know, nice cabin <laughs> in the mountains. I don't know, whatever, wherever you go in the summer, right? Um and you, of course, aren't the person who's taking care of your nice summer place. You're not doing the gardens, mm-hmm. the beautiful gardens that you hang out in in the summer, right? Unlike your city place that probably doesn't have nice gardens. Um, you are not the gardener, right? You are not doing any of that stuff. So right. you can wear white, um, which is also why white is associated with sports like tennis, which, of course, was one of the summer leisure sports for the rich. Mm-hmm. Um, so traditionally, white is the color. Um yeah, and so the rich, right, you'd go off, you were relaxing in the summer, you'd wear sort of white and light-colored linens by the seashore, etc. Uh, and great, you know, you're not doing anything, you can keep them clean, it's a, it's a sign of class, of course, because if you are a working person, even in the summer, you can't keep your white clean, so you're not wearing white. <laughs> um, but if you're right. rich, you're not doing anything in the summer, you can wear white. Um, and if you are doing something in something like tennis, which then you are still wearing white to this day, of course, famously. Anyway, so um, the idea that you don't wear it after Labor Day is because you go back to the city, right? Um, this is, of course, something that goes back to Jane Austen and way before, right? You go back to the city yeah. in the winter because um, winters are dirty and muddy and roads aren't passable. And that's mm-hmm. true even today, Right. Yes, we have highways and all that stuff, but one good snowstorm and you're not going anywhere, right? So rather than be yeah. stranded in your 
summer place, you go into the city. So you have the, so everyone is in the city. The streets are going to be plowed. You can get around. Um, but, right, the season that all of the young ladies in Jane Austen are awaiting um, happens basically while Parliament is sitting, yeah. which is, like, not during the summer because it would be very unpleasant, yes. <laughs> I guess. For sure. Um, and everybody wants to go, you know, fox hunting or whatever it is smug British yes. wealthy people yes. do. Mostly fox hunting, yes. I guess. Pheasant, pheasant hunting too. Um, um yeah. <laughs> but you know, November to May or something, you're in the city, you go to balls, right? And in the U.S., of course, Labor Day um, becomes the marker of the end of summer. So that's all, right? That's the marker. It's mm-hmm. the end of summer, and now fall is starting, and the beginning of fall means you know rain, eventually snow, um, and yep. therefore, right? It's the same thing. You can't keep white clean. Right. Um, so you don't wear it. And um, if you are rich enough that even in winter you can keep white clean, that's still in bad taste even for the rich. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to wear it and be like, I am so rich, like literally my feet never touch the ground. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's still over the top. Right? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so that's why. So white can't be kept clean. So you don't wear it anymore. There are other things that you would wear as markers of class and wealth when you're going to the opera or whatever, you know, um, all of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And of course, you know, that's Lace, famous too. For example. Yeah. Um, for coats, diamonds, etc. You know, this is, of course, when mm-hmm. the, the potentially the more clothing, right? Because you got to show off all your furs and your yeah. jewels and your silks and your, right. So you're sort of layering up all the stuff. Um but yeah, so that's where this idea comes, um, that it's sort of, quote-unquote, gauche to wear white after Labor Day, um, because, yeah, it can't be kept clean. And if you are doing this, either you don't, either you're not wealthy enough to understand the class distinction when you wear white and when you don't, or mm-hmm. you're showing off that you're just incredibly super wealthy and sort of literally, right? Your feet do not touch the ground. You can wear white, even when there's cruddy slush on the ground in the winters. Um, yeah. And that is... Air pollution. Yeah, all that stuff, right? Um, and that is a, you know, that's its own sort of faux pas, I guess. Um, yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. so But this is where it comes from. It's really, it's the marker of in summer, you can wear it, and in winter, you can't, you can't keep it clean. Um, this also goes, of course, the idea of wearing white at all is modern, right? Historically, Mm -hmm. no one could ever really keep white clean, right? Because you're driving in carriages and there are horses and there's, you know, there's always at least dust, not mud, but there's always at least dust. There's stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's certainly not bleach. Right. Or like washing machines. (laughs) Right. You know, like, if you wear something that needs to be washed, you're washing it by hand yes. at one point, like, down in the river. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if it needs to be washed very frequently, that is a problem. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Things need to be hard-wearing, long-wearing. Um, and white, of course, is none of those things. <laughs> Famously. Um, yes. Which is another issue with it, right? You, If you wear white, 
at least traditionally, of course, um, you have servants who are washing it for you every night, you know, um, and bleaching right. it and stuff. But, um, yeah, white is not a color that was worn uh, commonly before the modern era. Um, and this is another sort of interesting thing, because um, I actually, we talk about this a lot in class, that students, you know, we sort of think we have these images of, like, ancient Greece and Rome, and everyone wearing white, mm-hmm. um, which, again, is not the case, right? Yeah. Like, the toga, right? right. Because nowadays, in movies like Animal House, I'm going to say... Yes. We see them making it out of white sheets because, you know, that's the sheets that people have around in college a lot of time because they're cheap or they're provided by the university. Mm -hmm. But that kind of garb was not just a white sheet if you were making a a chiton or a peplos or something like that. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is, of course, like wool, you know, natural wool is white but not it's not actually really white as we might think of white you do have to bleach it <laughs> to make it yeah white right so and also it just depends on your sheep right like yes lots of sheep yeah are absolutely white. of course it depends on the species of sheep you're raising yes. yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah um so but that's one of the things right so frequently first of all clothes are died. I mean, that's something that obviously... Mm-hmm. So things can be very colorful. Clothes can be very colorful. They can be... They're dyed. They're embroidered. And um, colors can associate you with different groups. Ranks, groups. Of course, you know, that's something that continues, like purple. But even plain might be more like tan or beige, you know. Mm-hmm. So the idea of white is a little bit different from what we would think of white. We probably wouldn't... We wouldn't necessarily consider their white to be white, <laughs> right it's not necessarily as bleached as we think of it um yeah so um you know it's more that it's just it's undyed so it'd be sort of the natural color mm-hmm. of yeah of the sheep sheep wool um so now people pay a lot of money to get that at an organic yes, food store yes. you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i know which is great. Um, but anyway, but this sense of, right, you, yes, you always see, yeah, because white sheets are bleached. So the sort of idea of, yes, the sort of Animal House mm-hmm. College toga party. Um, yeah, and obviously, of course, those are linens. Those are much finer linen counts than generally a white toga would have been. <laughs> right? Because a white a common toga that is quote unquote white or sort of natural sheep wool colored um, from a whitish sheep, mm-hmm. your tunic wouldn't have been probably that fine of a fabric count, right? Not that fine of a linen count. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so um, that sense of sort of, right? So it's a sort of, we call it probably off white, right? As a sort of common. Um, and if you think sort of certain beige tan kind of off whites, you know, you those you don't have to worry about them becoming super dirty or showing the dirt in the same way as something that is actually white. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So um anyway, so that's that's sort of that's one aspect. Um there's also of course 
the famous, um, you know, the sort of sensibility that shows up eventually. Um, again, it's not a modern, um, it's not really a modern metaphor, but it's the wearing of it is modern. And that is, of course, like white for virgins and especially for a wedding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the white bridal dress often attributed to Queen Victoria. Yes. Yeah. She popularizes it for the modern era. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is probably kind of why, you know, yes, that's sort of where the modern thing comes from. Because, yeah, obviously, <laughs> right? That everyone kind of does that. Um, but yes, right. But that's sort of another aspect. Of course, that is a time period when the rich can wear white. And then sort of everyone yeah. else also wants to do it. Um, the symbolism of sort of whiteness and purity, of course, has existed for a very long time. Um, it's, you know, part of the kind of foundations of the West First of all, defining itself as white, which takes a while to happen. Um, but all of those, all of those ideas are sort of long-standing. But that doesn't mean people actually wore the color because it was just, again, it was very difficult. It was difficult to create something that was truly right. white, and it was very difficult to keep it clean. Um, and so, sort of famously, people did not wear white. Yeah. So the idea of brides wearing white is actually very modern. Um, it's why you know in medieval paintings the virgin is generally wearing blue right yeah i was gonna say i don't think i've ever really seen her depicted wearing white it's always that very beautiful blue Mm -hmm. color yeah which is also seen sometimes blue and red Mm -hmm. but yeah but that blue right it's seen of course as pure um it's it means it's also it means that for a long time women were associated with blue (laughs) and men were associated Mm -hmm. with pink and red right pink is seen as a sort of younger version of red. So boys would be associated with pink and girls would be associated with blue. Mm-hmm. We obviously switched that um, in the 20th century. But I just had a conversation with a five-year-old about this yesterday, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah, because because red was associated with blood. Yeah. Right? So blood, mm-hmm. manful, blood-sporty, Manly pursuits. Oh yeah, I guess. I mean, I would say red is still seen um, as a masculine color, but somehow pink isn't, mm-hmm. which is funny, right? Because obviously pink is a version mm-hmm. of red, and yet red is seen as masculine, but pink is seen as feminine. It's a weird, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where did we draw that line? Why did we draw that line? Why did we switch? We literally switched them, right? From blue, blue and pink, we sort of switched it. So it's like boys were yeah. blue. And girls were pink. And that is a very 20th century yes, thing. That, it happened in the 20th so. century. There was a kind of switch um, mm-hmm. with with toys, basically. Um, and then it just sticks. This is how it, you know, this is where the division comes from. Um, and, you know. I'm going to blame the 50s. Gender reveals. Uh, happens before the 50s. I don't, I don't have any specific. Yeah. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, I don't have a specific reason. But, like, knowing what I know about the 50s and the people who lived through it. Um. Because, like, who had toys in the 1930s? Well. And the 40s was the war. Right. I mean, I guess not all of the 40s. There was other Well, also things, the 30s. But. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is a, um, it's a kind of funny uh, moment because we, we talk about this in class uh, for a variety of reasons. Because, of course, theater uses color symbolism. 
<laughs> and um, one of the things about color symbolism, of course, is that it has to read for a modern audience, right? Mm-hmm. So things, a lot of things are anachronistic, <laughs> which is why, for example, a wedding in a Shakespearean play or something like this, um, you'll have the bride come on in white, even though she wouldn't, of course, have been in white at the time, right? But for right. a modern audience, if they're Western, you need, you know, you need that look. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even if the play is, you know, potentially semi-period appropriate otherwise, right? Um, and the same thing goes for a certain, for colors, right? Of course, we know what they mean to us today. So um, pink and blue are a great example of that. Um, I want to give a shout out to a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode of an attempt, attempted gender reveal for a baby <laughs> um, where it goes wrong throughout the episode, but there's some hilarious things. Like at one point they make the, what is it? A cake. So they make it wrong and it's, it's green. <laughs> and of course, right. The episode nice. itself is commenting on and making fun of in some ways, this, you know, the determinism and um, all those sorts of things. But yeah, so manufacturers, um, yeah, basically manufacturing switched it. Um, I guess maybe by the 40s. Yeah. Hmm. So somewhere in the 40s okay. is when... Because um, up until then, you know, I think it was more of a debate. Right? Um, which is to say that from the starting point of pink for boys and blue for girls, because of the virgin, right? Um, there starts to be a little bit of a switch you know, where there are companies that do switch and um, mm-hmm. start to see blue as, as a masculine color for whatever reasons. Um, and yeah, and so then by the 40s, it kind of, uh, I don't know, gets codified, I guess, basically. Yeah. I don't know that we really know why. Um, I mean, I I sort of, it's an interesting question. I wonder on some level if pink eventually went out for girls and blue for boys simply because at that point people had kind of um not lost but people were not as locked into that specific religious iconography right so Mm -hmm. even though we all recognize the virgin is in blue that that doesn't necessarily mean that she is to this day kind of that right her influence on women as a whole isn't necessarily quite the same right so yeah she might be in blue but that doesn't necessarily mean like all women are in blue. Also, of course, at that point... Society was a lot less... Oh, I was going to say, like, society was a lot less um, monocultural. Yeah. Like, but also you, know, you had the rise of things like States. white, right? That's only like brides wore mm-hmm. white, not blue, for example, right? So I think blue as a sense of pure girl color got diluted mm-hmm. by other things. Um yeah. But that right so but that's all part of the modern world. And of course also in the modern world you can make colors that you couldn't make before. I mean very literally. Right. Right. One thing about blue is that it was a very expensive pigment back in the day. Yes. And now we have aniline dyes and whatever that are yes. very vibrant. Yes. And uh cheap. Yes. Exactly. So suddenly there's a difference there as well. Um and so blue you know the range also that you can get out of blues is much different. Um, you know, you can, you don't need <laughs> blue at some point, of course, runs into purple, which 
again, you can just make, right? So a deep blue that might have some purple in it, you don't have to worry about either really expensive dyes. You don't have to worry about sumptuary laws. Those don't exist. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. So yes, there's, so that's a lot, you know, so modern manufacturing that also definitely I'm sure has a, has an element in it. Um, but anyway, that's the sort of, sort of reminder that um, the way we view color, right, has not always, not always been the same or also things that we sort of take for granted haven't always been possible. Um, my favorite example, of course, of wearing white is Marjorie Kemp. Um, who does wear white. <laughs> Nuns didn't oh. wear white in the Middle Ages, um, but Marjorie and brides didn't wear white in the Middle Ages. Um, in addition to the whole keeping it clean thing, it was seen as, um, I mean, sort of boastful, right? Mm -hmm. So if you actually are a nun who is a virgin, a good person, you wouldn't wear white because you're basically saying to people, look at me, I am the best. You know, in addition to I'm super rich and I can afford to keep this clean because I'm I must be a Benedictine. Um, you're also like, look, I am, you know, a great virginal person. Ha ha. <laughs> right. Um, and you wouldn't yep. do that. You would never do that, which is why you wear things like gray. Right. You wear these sort of quiet colors, sort of, you know, neutral colors. What we sort of said about like, you know, beige or you wear very. That's the whole point is to sort of. Be very modest, you know. Yes, you are a virgin yeah. and you're doing this work for God, but you don't set yourself apart. You don't say that you are better. That's, of course, the point. Like, pride is a bad thing. <laughs> I feel like that's covered in the in the New Testament. Yes. Something about something about yes. pride. I don't remember. Indeed, indeed. Um, but that's the idea, right? So if you are wearing white as a nun or, um, you know, someone of similar position, right? A begin. Anyway, um, then you are basically trying to show off how holy you are. And of course, then you probably aren't, mm -hmm. right? Um, so Marjorie Kemp, who first of all, of course, is not literally a virgin because she has been married and had a lot of kids, but then she stops sleeping with her husband um, and becomes a sort of holy woman. She's fantastic. She dictates what is considered potentially kind of the first autobiography in English. Um, the book of Marjorie Kemp. Anyway, um, she is told by... Yeah, she had... We talked a lot oh, about yes. her in a previous episode. Absolutely. We'll put a link in yeah, the notes. she's fantastic. But she's told uh, by Christ to wear white clothes. And she doesn't want to because she's, you know, basically people point at me and they'll say, you don't deserve because you're not a virgin. But also, you know, even virgins don't wear them, basically, right? So people are, you know, it's mm -hmm. a sign of pride. And particularly someone who isn't actually technically a virgin. <laughs> like, that's a whole extra <laughs> level of pride. Um, yes. And so, but, so she doesn't want to wear them, but eventually, after five things happen, she's like, well, you know, if she gets a sign, and then she does, so then she agrees to wear them, so she does, so then she starts wearing white. And that, first of all, is kind of astonishing, because she is wearing white, so she is, I mean, she's pretty well off, so she's, but she's keeping it clean, we assume. Um, but also, of course, people absolutely do ask her why, and is she actually a virgin, and, you know, blah, 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 and she gets in trouble for it, and all this stuff happens to her, but um, there's a sort of famous moment, she, she gets back to England, and goes to see a holy man who, you know, she says, had previously liked her, and he is basically like, mm -hmm. you can't be wearing white, why are you doing this, and um, 
she says, well, Christ told me to. And then, you know, he kind of talks down to her and stuff. And she leaves and she says, um, basically that, you know, Jesus tells her she doesn't have to listen to what this guy says. And so she sends a word back that she is not going to come back and heads off, you know, like anyway. Yeah. So basically, you know, the gist of that story is that um, when people disapproved, she basically, you know, kind of gave him the middle finger. Not quite, but yeah. And headed off. Um, which is hilarious. But anyhow, um, so, but it's a great sort of moment. And it's one of those things where if you don't realize how unusual it was to wear white at the time, even if you were a virgin, her book definitely very literally illustrates how unusual it was for anyone to wear white. And particularly in this case, right, mm-hmm. even though she is a chaste widow, she's not a widow, actually, She's a widow eventually, but she starts wearing white, I think, before she is, in fact, a widow. Uh, but she is chased at this point. She and her husband aren't sleeping together. She's going on pilgrimage. I mean, she goes all the way to the Holy Land. She does all this stuff, right? She does all of her pilgrimages. Um, you know, it's it's a very sort of clear, <laughs> um, clear point of contention with a lot of people that she is. She has a lot of other points. It's not the only thing people dislike about her, but it is something that comes up a lot, the fact that she wears white. Um yeah. So I, I'll name check. Uh, Mary Erler has a great article, Marjorie Kemp's White Clothes from 1993 in Medium Avum. And then I actually also have an article, Marjorie Kemp and the Spectatorship of Medieval Drama in 15th Century Studies. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that, that's from like 10 years ago. But um, I talk about that in there as well and kind of what it means for her as a performer, right? And the white is sort of this costume Um that helps her perform her identity, um, but also makes her a very obvious audience member when she is doing the thing she's best known for, which is watching the crucifix and weeping loudly, or watching mass and weeping loudly as she imagines the passion. Ah. So she, so the the visibility of the white really is part of the point. <laughs> she does want mm-hmm. people to notice her and see what she is doing. She views herself as she absolutely views herself as a role model, right? As a role model who is, right, a, you know, sort of contemporaneous witness of the passion, right? She sees it, she envisions it whenever she sort of goes to mass, um, and that other people should, you know, see what she's doing and be more like her. <laughs> um, so the white definitely makes her stand out. Um, but anyway, but obviously, and obviously that is part of the problem because that does potentially smack a little bit of pride. Yes. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, so, um, yeah, so white, right, white has been a contentious color for a very long time, is the point. Um, <laughs> it has a very, very long history. Um, it has, even though today we, I suppose on some level we associate it with women, we certainly do still associate it with wealth, even if we don't think of it that way. Um, it's, both of those things are sort of true. You know, even so, for a long time, people did not actually wear it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's a sort of, um, and of course, it is worth pointing out that in in Rome, and also ancient Greece, people wearing sort of, quote unquote, natural fibers that were undyed would have been poorer, not richer. (laughs) So, right. um, Yeah. And of course, undyed also means, you know, un- unbleached, like, these are, you know, you, they weren't, 
bleached. They weren't white. Um, but yeah, so if you're wearing a natural undyed color, um, it's because you couldn't afford to have it dyed. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so color symbolism. Um, yeah, but it's one of those funny things where, of course, in movies and TV and theater, when, you know, no matter what you're doing, it has to live up to what the audience expects to see on some level. So there can be a sort of perpetuation of, you know, everybody in white, particularly, you know, usually in plays and stuff about ancient Greece and Rome, the characters are wealthy, um, but they're usually in, like, pristine white stuff, even though they wouldn't have been. They would have been in colorful clothing, um, because that's how we envision it. <laughs> that's a different problem. That's that, you know... You don't have to live up to those stereotypes. Um, but again, but certainly when it comes to things like red and blue, um, one of the things that, of course, is still with us that has been true for a very long time, I think is, I mean, I think it's still with us, is purple. I brought purple up earlier mm -hmm. when I was saying sort of, you know, the manufacturing like blue and pink become easy to do. Purple, of course, was one of the most expensive colors out there because of the, you know, shellfish or whatever that's required. Is that how they do it? Required to be purple. <laughs> what is okay. it? It's a, is it a mollusk? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a really expensive color. And of course, it's reserved basically for royalty. Um, and I think that's something we still recognize. If, you know, like purple. I think we still, we still recognize purple as royal. We have colors like royal purple, right? Um, so that, that I think is something we still kind of, no. Um, but otherwise, there, there are certainly a lot of aspects of things that have changed. Um, mm -hmm. One of the other things, of course, that we still know are gold and silver. <laughs> Those have maintained their uh, worth, value, etc. for, you know, most of history, I would say. Um, yeah. So those, those are things we kind of understand. But there's a lot of sort of other ways in which you know, we don't necessarily have the same view as people would have had. Um, yeah, and I do think also, like, white, I think in some ways modern laundry has allowed us to forget, despite how often you see detergent commercials on television. I just want to say, like, mm -hmm. every other commercial on YouTube, like, it's going to be a detergent commercial. <laughs> that being said, we do, in fact, have Tide Pods. The universal currency. But, um, <laughs> I think the point is, Yes, that they, you know, the the ease of modern laundry has really kind of allowed us to forget maybe how ridiculous it is to think that people would have worn white all the time. Right. Like, if we didn't have modern laundry, if you, you know, the commercials are always stupid things like kid is in a white uniform and gets huge grass stains on it, and then you throw it into the laundry and then it comes out looking pristine. Right. Right. Um, And obviously, that still doesn't happen even today. Um, <laughs> no. But it's certainly a lot closer, right, than it would have been yeah. before modern laundry. So we should, like, it's not that hard if you think about it to be like, oh, yeah, there's no way people wore white all the time in the past before they had, yes, modern bleach and Tide Pods and stain remover <laughs> and whatever else we have that's supposed to work on this stuff, right? I mean, yeah. Obviously, like, obviously. So, um, yeah. Anyway. So that's, that's sort of that, that section of it. 
Um, but that brings us to the actual sumptuary laws, right? So white, it wasn't a law. It was just, you know, you wouldn't do it. It's still not a law, of course, but <laughs> you didn't mm-hmm. do it because of how hard it was to do, right? And you didn't have anything that was really white anyway. The closest you got were sort of natural undyed fibers. And you wouldn't mm-hmm. actually necessarily want to wear those because that just said you were too poor to get your clothes dyed or your cloth dyed. You're too poor to buy dyed cloth, right? Which, of course, you want to be able to buy, right? So the only reason you would be trying to wear a genuine white clothing is to stand out in some interesting way, like Marjorie Kemp does. Um, so um, that being said, of course, you know, eventually, you know, nuns do frequently end up wearing white as a sign of virginity and uh, modern, you know, medical professionals, um, white, not being the color today necessarily, but being a color sort of of modern medicine, the idea being because Mm -hmm. of to show that it was clean, like that was the point to show that it was clean. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, modern, modern changes, modern changes. But um, anyway, but sumptuary laws, of course, um, are about what you can wear. Actually, what you can't wear. That's why this is a don'ts episode. <laughs> so this is more about like what you can't, right. what you can't wear. Um, so these are genuine laws about what people cannot wear, right? Um, and these are based generally on um, hierarchy, right? Social hierarchy. And so mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of question about these. We're going to talk about some. Some of the famous ones in England show up. Some of the big ones in England show up shortly after the Black Death has been through, (laughs) so to speak. Okay. Um, And there's a bit of a, you know, there's a few things going on. So, for example, on the one hand, um, it is true that obviously the plague, definitely a lot of people died. Um, Right. There was a consolidation of wealth (laughs) um and this you know gave workers more power there weren't as many people to work workers had more bargaining power and how much they got paid um you know so in addition to the consolidation of wealth just because there was the same wealth with fewer people then you also have workers getting Mm -hmm. higher wages um but there's also a lot of trade right i mean as it sort of dissipates, as the plague dissipates, trade really ramps back up because, you know, people need stuff. You got to get back to life. I think, you know, we are all kind of aware of this after COVID. Um, And so as things ramp back up, you know, you still have fewer people, but a lot of trade. um, And therefore the middle class is growing. The merchant class is growing more wealth. More wealth means you're buying more stuff. So there's more trade, right? So that's that's how these things happen, right? More buying power means more stuff that you want to buy. So either prices go up or people make more stuff. So, of course, people start making... Prices do go up, but also people are making more stuff. And people have more purchasing power. So suddenly, stuff that previously, you know, there wasn't enough of it for that many people to be able to buy it, and people didn't have the purchasing power, suddenly kind of anyone can buy it. So suddenly expensive fabrics... You know, gold, stuff like this. Suddenly people are buying it who couldn't yeah. previously have bought it. Um, also in England, Edward III is fighting France. <laughs> and in 
and he needs England to be wealthy so that they will support his war, mm-hmm. right? So that's so he really needs this wealth coming into the country, but that causes these problems. So, um, so this is under Edward the Third in thirteen sixty three. The Black Death is kind of over in thirteen. You know, the dates kind of given for this first round are thirteen forty six to thirteen fifty three. So this is ten years later. Um, so the British, the Parliament rolls for October of 1363, um, we get some of the first, like, big round of sumptuary laws um, mm-hmm. in in England. Um, and England, we can call England, right? A lot of countries, you can't really call them countries because they're not. So I said he's fighting France. Right. Of course, he's only fighting parts of what are now France because parts of it do belong to England. <laughs> um, but England is England. Right. Um, but yeah, so, uh, we have, um, yeah, so the, the beginning of kind of these, these sumptuary laws. Um, and here are some of them. So, <laughs> um, basically, the, you know, certain peoples in parliament are annoyed. They don't say this. This is me who say this, obviously. <laughs> um, are annoyed because, uh, quote, within the realm, are greatly, this is the sort of translation, um, you can get these online, uh, the roles of parliament are actually in French, <laughs> so this is the translation. Oh. Yeah. Um, because okay. remember, this is, England, of course, was ruled by French kings, basically, Norman, you know. Right. And then French, French remains the language of the English court for, of course, famously a long time, basically up, up through kind of Henry the Fourth and Henry the Fifth. So, um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so, um, within the realm, um, various, the prices, so this is about prices, right? This is economic. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely stuff about social stature, the same way, like, you know, the rich can wear white because they can keep it clean and the poor can't wear white, except back in the day, Mm -hmm. only the poor really wore white because they couldn't afford to have their clothes dyed. Um, but so yes, like social status is usually a part of fashion, Always, always. Can you afford the designer stuff, right? Or can you just buy the knockoff? Yeah. But here, Mm -hmm. actually, yes, sumptuary laws are frequently, and we're going to get to that, based on hierarchy. But there's also, at this point, a concern about prices. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of an important um, caveat to, yes, it's about hierarchy, but also definitely about (laughs) the fact that prices are being driven up because more people want stuff. So the idea was, if you could stop some people from buying it, the price would have to come down. <laughs> Turns out it doesn't always work that way. Not, I mean, we all kind of know that, but it doesn't always work that way. But anyway, so uh, right. so here we go. Um, yeah, so uh, where the prices, right, um, of various fiddles within the realm are greatly increased because various people of various conditions wear various apparel not appropriate to their estate. That is to say... Hmm. Grooms wear the apparel of craftsmen, and craftsmen wear the apparel of gentlemen, and gentlemen wear the apparel of esquires, and esquires wear the apparel of knights. The one and the other wear fur, which only properly belongs to lords and knights. Um, Poor and other women (laughs) wear the dress of ladies, and poor clerks wear clothes like those of the king and other lords. Right. Okay. Thus, the aforesaid merchandise are at a much greater price than they should be. 
and the treasure of the land is destroyed to the great damage of the lords of the community. Okay. So, um, basically, <laughs> the point is that, right, all these people wanting to buy the stuff is driving up the price, which is what I said. But it is put, so it is actually put in terms, though, that people are buying stuff they shouldn't be buying, <laughs> right? The funny thing yes. is, obviously, like, poor women aren't buying the dress of ladies. What they really mean is, like, women who are common of status, but clearly aren't poor mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> Which is a good, right. you know. Anyway, um, so, right, concerning the excess of dress of people beyond their estate to the very great destruction and impoverishment of the land. Obviously, it's not actually to the impoverishment. They're driving up the economy. But anyway, um, so they're going to change stuff in the manner as follows. All right. And then we get to all the famous stuff in this sumptuary law. Um, so grooms, whether the servants of lords or of craftsmen and artisans, shall, shall be ordained that they shall be served with Food and drink with meat or fish once a day. <laughs> the rest with other victuals such as milk, cheese, butter, and other such in accordance with their estate. They shall have clothes wow. for their clothing or shoes, of which the whole cloth shall not exceed two marks. Because remember, you're really buying cloth and having a tailor make your clothes, right? You don't go buy stuff off right. the rack. This is another thing about sort of... Um, the blue and pink conversation that I want. It's not just manufacturing and dyes that suddenly make everything easier, but also, you know, you can make what? 1500 pink skirts for girls that are all exactly the same, but slightly different sizes Mm -hmm. and put them in stores around the country and people come in and buy the set. Right. And right. So you're also making these basically uniforms that haven't existed before because all Mm -hmm. 1500 of those come from the exact same batch they all look exactly the same. You know, they're all the same yeah. color pink. It's not that some are red and some are pink and maybe some are brown or maroon. They're all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're also creating manufacturing. It's not just that they kind of switched like, oh, maybe pink for girls and blue for and somehow that kind of stuck for some reason. Um, it's also that um, the sort of ability to codify these things and make them truly uniform so you can give everyone a uniform, mm-hmm. right? Boys are in that one and girls are in that one. Um, that's also unique, right? <laughs> so here yeah. we're really, um, the sumptuary laws are not just, are really also, they're about the cloth, right? You, you can only buy cloth that is X expensive <laughs> and get your clothes made out of that, right? I see. Now, of course, they're sort of funny. Like if you were smaller, you could presumably buy more expensive cloth for two marks, Right, and guess what? Right, they fit you because you wouldn't need as right. much. But if you're big, anyway, so the the fun things. Anyway, um, but they shall not wear clothes of a higher price of their purchase or otherwise, or anything of gold or silver or embroidered, enameled or of silk. Because this is oh. another thing you can do. This is also true, of course, of Greece and Rome. People embroidered their stuff. Absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Lots of decorative designs, all sorts of things. Well, you cannot do that. <laughs> you can't have gold or silver hmm. cloth. You can't embroider it. You can't have it enameled. You can't have silk. No silks. All right. And their wives, daughters, and children shall be of the same condition in clothing and apparel, and they shall not wear any veil worth more than 12 pence, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Well, it says deniers. I don't know. Anyway. Um, all right. So there, there you go. Um, also, this is this becomes a fun part that we're going to spin off. Um, 
craftsmen and people called yeomen shall not take mm-hmm. or wear cloth for their clothing or shoes of a higher price than 40 shillings for the whole cloth by way of purchase or otherwise. Same thing, right? No precious stones, no cloth of silk or silver or a belt, knife, mm-hmm. brooch, ring, garter, or clasps, ribbons, chains, bracelets, seals, or other things of gold or silver, <laughs> or any manner of apparel embroidered, enameled, or of silk. And then same for children. Holy cow, dude. Daughters and wives. Um, yes. Also, no veil of silk, but only of yarn made within the realm. Meaning, of course, England. Right? So only English yarn. Or any manner of fur, except lamb, rabbit, cat, and fox. Okay. Right? So those are the common furs you're allowed to wear. But you'll notice, right, all the things you might do, you buy cheap clothes, but then you put all the stuff on them to make them look better. Jewelry. Right? Right. Nope. Right. Belt. (laughs) Knife, brooch, ring, garter, class, ribbons, chains, bracelet, seals, and none of those can be gold or silver or embroiled or silk. Or enameled, right? Okay. So you can have those wow. things, but they'd have to be cheap. <laughs> right? Um, and look at all the things, all right? All this decorative stuff. Ribbons, bracelets, seals, chains, clasps, ring, garter, right? Yeah, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and then the fur, lamb, rabbit, cat, and fox. So this, I know we've mentioned it before, but we must re-mention it here. A famed Black Adder episode where he comes in wearing a robe that he thinks is, like, for the House of Lords with... Oh, with the collar. Yes, with the finest <laughs> ermine. And, you know, his housekeeper's like, oh, no, it's Cat! And he's like, what? It has the seals. And she's like, no, they've left the collars on! <laughs> yes, because he tried to get a fancy robe with seals, and in fact, it was a cat mm-hmm. with the collars. Yes. So not only is it a fantastically hilarious moment, but they're basically referencing this exact... Not, you know, but the sumptuary laws of England. They're actually referencing them. <laughs> this is what he was allowed. You know, he thought he was getting something better, but he was not. This is what he's allowed to get. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So sort of that's... Anyway. Um, okay. Also, esquires and all manner of gentlemen below the estate of knight who do not have land or rent to the amount of 100 pounds a year which is an astonishing amount, obviously, right? This is wow. <laughs> 1363. So that's that's a lot of money today, really. You know, yeah. I, mean, I take an extra 100 pounds a year. Anyway, um, shall not take or wear cloth for their clothing or shoes. We'll get to why we keep including shoes in clothing, right? Um, of a higher price than within the price of four and a half marks for the whole cloth. Okay, and then all of the same caveats about you can't have gold or silver or ring, brooch, clasp, ribbon, etc., that is gold or silver or embroidered or etc. Okay. So all of the same things. Um, Esquires who have land or rent of the value of 200 pounds a year or more may take and wear cloth of the price of five marks for the whole cloth and cloth of silk and silver, ribbon, belts, da-da-da, etc., reasonably decorated with silver. Their children may wear um, fur of miniver without ermine or weasel fur, or any manner of apparel, etc. Um, okay. Um, no precious stones except for their heads. Hmm. Alright. Uh, merchant citizens and burghers and artisans and craftsmen within London as well as elsewhere, who have goods and chattel to the value of 500 pounds, can also do all that 
um, all of the same manner of clothes as esquires and gentlemen who have landed rent to the value of a hundred. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is one of the things people really like about this is that it's showing right that the middle, the growing middle class, you can actually buy your way in to being equal to the landed gentry. Right. Yeah. If you are a merchant, so if you're a middle class person who's worked your way up to have five hundred pounds worth of stuff, you are considered at the same social level and therefore allowed to wear the same stuff as basically landed gentry who have 100 pounds a year from their land and rent. Okay. And if you're a merchant, etc., with stuff up to the value of a thousand pounds, then you can wear the same as esquires who, remember, had land or rent. So... Yeah, to the value of 200 a year. We're, we're talking about 1359-ish? This is thir- 1363 specifically is when this goes... 1363, yeah. okay. I found the Bank of England inflation calculator, and they suggest that in 1363, 100 pounds is about the equivalent of 76,700 pounds. That seems today. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, a thousand pounds, you'd basically be a millionaire. I don't know if that's a (laughs) literal, but. That would be kind of the equivalent of a millionaire today. There would be people who had it, but obviously not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so you go through all of this. Knights um, can, of course, again, wear a little bit more, but cannot wear cloth of gold or a cloak, mantle, or gown lined with pure miniver, sleeves of ermine, etc. Um, knights okay. and ladies, but if you're a knight or a lady has land and rent above the value of 400 marks a year up to the sum of a thousand um you can dress at will with the exception of ermine weasel fur and apparel precious stones um all right and then we go through like clerks who hold positions in cathedral churches uh and then we go through carters plowmen drivers of plows oxherds cowherds shepherds swineherds dairymaids and all their keepers of beasts and what you're allowed to wear um how much Cloth, you know, how much your cloth can cost per length. There's the length of the, the L, mm-hmm. E-L-L, which is about 45 inches, probably. <laughs> um, it's kind of the, you know, it's probably the shoulder to the wrist, some, maybe the elbow, but probably the shoulder to the wrist. It's kind of, you know, measuring a quick yard, basically. Um, so anyway, so what, what their clothes can be. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of what everyone has to do. Ta-da. <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised that it would be so exhaustive, yeah. but yeah, like that's a lot of stuff to enumerate. Yes. yes. Um, but now we get to the fun part, which is um, not the only fun part, of course, but <laughs> um, but this is, you might be thinking to yourself, maybe, I don't know, um, why is it that all of these include shoes? Right. And of course the answer is your shoes are um similarly made. Right? So they can be made out of a cloth or leather, usually, you know. But the um they are you're also having your shoes made. Right? So they're made out of kind of nice supple leather, generally. This is how shoemakers do with a good sole. And the reason um that they're included in this whole length or, you know, square yardage i guess right how much you know so you the amount you pay for the cloth including what you buy probably some form of leather for your shoes 
why all of it has to equal X amount of money is because in the Middle Ages, there's a sort of growing trend of having pointy shoes. This is the high Middle right. Ages. Right. So, um, yeah. and this... We see this depicted sometimes in marginalia. Yes. Uh, like very pointy, kind of sometimes curling even back towards... Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it um, it's certainly true on the continent, and it sort of shows up in England, um, and maybe gets reinvigorated with... Well, in the reign of Richard II, because um, his wife, you know, comes in from abroad. Um, and so this might have reinvigorated the, the pointy shoe uh, fashion in England. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but what this means is, um, you know, the more cloth you can get for your shoes, the longer the points. Right? So they get the points get longer oh, and longer. Sure. <laughs> um, which is why, you know, we, I, you know, it's a sort of stereotype, I think, to this day, the like the sort of curled up point on like jester shoes or something. Right. Yeah. Um, it's more that they would be like longer. You would stuff, you would stuff them so that they would, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be nice, long pointy shoes that would stick out. Um, yeah. And obviously, right. If you're being limited on the amount of cloth you can have, then you are limiting the size of your shoe cloth mm-hmm. <laughs> and the pointiness of your shoes. Um, however, this does become, more of a problem. I mean, it's not a problem, but <laughs> where sumptuary laws are concerned, um, mm-hmm. it does become more of a more of an issue as time goes on. And so, eventually, a hundred years later, okay, so that was thirteen sixty three under Edward the Third. A uh, hundred years later, under Edward the Fourth, mm-hmm. uh, we could call it his first term in office. <laughs> Um, because he, of course, is king. Like, he manages to knock Henry VI out of the throne. He gets it for a while. Henry VI comes back for a year, you know, with Margaret kind of leading the troops. Um, and then that time, eventually, Edward and his forces, the Yorkists, right, come back, kill Henry <laughs> and his kid, yes. um, take back over, etc. Um, and then, of course, after Edward, the we get... Richard the Third. Okay, there's a bunch of really exciting plays about <laughs> yes, this guy. Indeed, go, indeed. Go check them yes. out. I assume they're a hundred percent historically Absolutely. correct, but you might want to check out like the annotations at the bottom of the yes, page. Yes, but. written by a young man named William, um, who cut his teeth yeah. writing these plays. Indeed, um, but yeah. So uh, this is a hundred hundred years later now under Edward the Fourth, fourteen sixty three, and. Uh, the parliamentary roles, same thing. So this is, um, you know, <laughs> same idea. Um, there, there, this isn't, there have been other sort of things. There's been updates to the sumptuary laws in the meantime. Um, but mm-hmm. this is the, you know, this is the next big round, I guess <laughs> we can say. Um, and also kind of, this is one of the, the famous things that happens. Um, so, Again, right? Um, oh, and by the way, at this point, of course, now they're in English. But I'm still going to read like a modern mm-hmm. English translation. Um, but yeah, so here we go. So the um, this time, um, Parliament <laughs> says, <laughs> um, so the commons assembled in this present Parliament in, right, um, pray 
pray you to call to mind that in the days of your most noble progenitors, various ordinances and statutes were made in this your realm concerning the apparel and clothing of the commons of the same, both men and women, so that none of them should use or wear inappropriate clothing, but only that according with their mm-hmm. degree. Um, and they are, of course, referencing all the previous sumptuary laws, including the ones a hundred years before. Right. Um, so, um, and they say, because of course this is what happens. People be wearing what they want to wear. So notwithstanding these statutes and ordinances for want of punishment and their enforcement, the commons of this, your realm, both men and women have worn and daily wear extravagant and inappropriate clothing. To the great displeasure of God, oh the impoverishment of this year said realm, and the enrichment of foreign realms and countries. Yeah. So once again, it's all about like prices and trade, but also great annoyance that people did not obey these laws, which you may have been wondering. Okay. Um, and the answer is, of course, people did not obey these laws because why would they? <laughs> people right. wear what they want to wear. If you can afford the real brand and not the knockoff, you are going to buy it. And you're going to show it off to your neighbors because that is how life works. That has always been how life works. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just how things are, right? So, um, Parliament has decided to basically pass another law. Um, and this time, right, they say, This time for sure. Yes, um, so no knight below the status of lord, other than the children of lords or the wife of any such knight, um, shall wear any kind of cloth of gold or any kind of band made with gold or any fur of sable. So this, these are the top notch, the right gold and sable to this day. I think they are even sable. I think is still kind of a, even though we don't really know what it is, it's a fur, obviously, but um, (laughs) it's still a kind of ermine and sable are still kind of metaphors for wealth. Even if you don't really know what they are, right? They go with gold. So yeah, so here they are. Um, Yeah. So you can't wear them. And if you do wear them, Right? You shall forfeit 20 pounds for every offense. Yeah. All right. Sorry, they're like small brown weasels that live in Siberia. Yeah, they're super cute. They're Obviously. I mean, you know, something that has this fur that's this highly prized is going to be a very cute animal. That pretty much goes without Uh, saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, They are very cute. Yes, of course they are. Of course they are. Um, So... Um, (laughs) also, right, no knight, bachelor, or his wife from, you know, the point when this law takes place, I think it's going to start up on, oh, it's going to start up on the Feast of the Purification. Um, so, no one shall wear any cloth of velvet on velvet, except knights of the order of the garter and their wives. Again, you know, 20 marks for, okay, well, 20 marks this time, but yeah, so, um, no one below the status of Lord shall wear any kind of purple silk cloth. Ten pounds hmm. for the offense. All right. So that's a big, a big yeah. fine. Well, yeah. Still. So there's 20 pounds for one fine, 20 marks um, for the velvet. Um, but yeah, 10 pounds for purple cloth. Because, of course, right, again, that's... These things are super obvious and very clear and very expensive. I mean, you can if you can afford the purple yeah. silk, you can afford the ten pounds. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's okay. a lot. Yes, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot today, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Also, um, no one below the degree of knight or their wives 
except the sons are lords and their wives, right? Because, of course, they don't technically have the rank if you're a son, if you're still the son or the wife, right? But, right. You know, so no one below the rank, <laughs> um, except, of course, the other people who would get it if, you know, you're all the family orbit. Um, anyway, uh, shell wear, velvet, satin brocade, or any cloth of silk simulating them. Right. Or any oh. bands made to imitate velvet or satin brocade or any fur of ermine. Ten marks. So no fake fur. Right. Or fake silk. Interesting. <laughs> yes. No yeah. faux satin. Yeah. Um, all right. So also, right, no no one below the degree cited above Um shall wear any damask or satin except household esquires, sergeants, officers of your honorable household, yeoman of the crown, yeoman of your chamber. So now, right, if the, um, you can costume your household staff, right, your, uh, the upper levels of your household staff, your personal, you know, your best, you know, the head of your guard, all those, you can staff them, right, yeah, they're gonna wear your regalia, and their, so therefore their regalia has to be up to your level. But they're only mm-hmm. allowed to wear that stuff in as much as it marks them as a member of your household. Right? So their clothes okay. can't be that normally, but they can wear this stuff when they're wearing your household uniform. Um, mm. I want to say this actually comes up also in some of Shakespeare's plays. <laughs> um, the discussion of sort of what, you know, servants get to wear, depending on who your master is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, higher ranking master means the servants get to wear higher ranking stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so these are sort of all of these things. Um, and they also go through the, like, you know, no one without possessions to the yearly value of 40 pounds or more shall be able to, you know, wear these various things. Um, okay, so, um, here we go. Also, um, no yeoman or any other person below that degree shall use or wear as bodily clothing any padding or stuffing of wool, cotton, wool or cotton, or any other material in his mm-hmm. doublet except its lining on payment, payment, pain of forfeiting six shillings, eight pence. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> this is a reminder that men stuffed their clothes to give themselves the shape they wanted. Today, we assume mm-hmm. only women did that, but men also did that. And you're not allowed right. to do that if you're below a certain rank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. It's fantastic. They've really thought of everything. Yep. I think we can say this pretty clearly. Um, all right. So, this is probably the most famous line coming up in this entire thing. All right, ready? No knight below the status of Lord Esquire Gentleman or any other person shall wear any gown, jacket, or cloak, which is of such a length that when he stands upright, it does not cover his private parts and buttocks. Pain of forfeiting 20 shillings. Okay. Yes. Uh, That's a super famous line. (laughs) Because, Ah. maybe obvious reasons. But we've probably all seen, I mean, this is the stereotype about Shakespearean plays. And it's worth pointing out, Shakespeare's not alive yet, right? Shakespeare is not alive for a while. This is 1463. 
And Shakespeare's born in 1564. So he's on the horizon. He's, he's got, got, he's got yeah. 100 years. <laughs> 100 yes. years. Um, you know. So um, basically, the point is, of course, that, um, you know, the stereotype of, um, well, of Shakespeare's plays where, you know, it's like the guy in tights <laughs> and maybe yep. a codpiece or not, just, you know, and um, the very short, like, doublet, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, showing off his butt and, you know, also possibly his package. Um, they are specifically outlawing that here. <laughs> right? Unless you have money. Yes. Exactly. If you have money, then you can't. But otherwise, that is not allowed. Um, and that is the point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, um... Yeah, so that was, of course, you had to be of status to be allowed to wear that. Um, granted, most of Shakespeare's mm-hmm. characters are of fairly high status, but not necessarily... I mean, a lot of them are not high enough status. Again, mm-hmm. he's much later, so... Uh, and people didn't follow these laws. But, uh, yeah, technically... <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a very famous line. And there was a lot of comment, of course, at the time. It's because today we're so used to the idea of policing women. And we'll talk a little bit about that next time. But um, this is really sort of also policing. This is really about policing men. You know, those women come along as yeah. wives and daughters. But this is really about policing male behavior. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice we had the sort of the stuff about how you're stuffing your costume. Not just like the cod piece, but like your whole, you know, to give yourself the torso you want, all that stuff. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, unless, again, of course, you're rich. You're not allowed to have a super short jacket unless, yes, you're rich enough. Um, and the there's a play that's later, just a little bit later. The play Mankind is written um, during the year that it's a little unclear if Edward IV or Henry VI is going to win. Okay. So shortly, so just a few years after this, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things Mankind, who is, of course, the lead character, he is being um, seduced, basically, by Tativilus, right? The devil character into doing bad things, and then eventually he has to, you know, feel bad and have remorse and ask mercy for help. And, um, but one of the things he does, <laughs> or that Tatillus does, is um, convince him his jacket, you know, the fashion is bad. And he brings him in a jacket that is, the whole point is, you know, that it's way too short to be of any use as a jacket. So then he's super cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a joke exactly on this thing, right? That for fashion's sake, men yeah. were wearing these super short doublets or jackets to show off their, you know, stuff. Um, and that obviously these things are useless as jackets, but that was not the point right. after all. <laughs> that is rarely the point of fashion, uh, to keep you warm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this that's probably, that's one of the most famous lines in any of the sumptuary laws ever, because, you know, there aren't a lot that police men's bodies, basically. Or what men wear. School right. dress goes to this day, right? It's all about what girls aren't allowed to wear and what they aren't allowed to show. Whereas men can basically wear anything, right? Mm-hmm. So there have been cases of, like, guys wearing strapless, you know, dresses to school to make a point that they don't get in trouble. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, 
you know, girl, girl wearing the same thing would, right? Um, yeah, so this is a kind of famous, famous fun moment. Um, then we also have, <laughs> um, aha. So, in addition to that for said offense, right? Also, they start saying, like, no tailor can make any of these things. So if you're a tailor, you can't make a cloak that short for someone who's the wrong okay. rank. You can't make a padded doublet for someone who's not of the right rank. And any shoes or boots with points longer than two inches are not allowed. Oh. Right? Okay. If you're a knight below the status of a lord, esquire, gentleman, or other person, you cannot have shoes with points longer than two inches on pain of forfeiting 40. Hmm. Denier, I guess, again. Um, and also any cobbler cannot make shoes, right, with points that are longer than two inches. So now they're actually just straight up decreeing how long the points on your shoes can be. <laughs> yeah. Right, which says something again about how extreme this was getting, right? I mean, two inches is actually pretty long for just the point. You have to stuff it. So it's beyond where your toes are. So two points, two inches beyond where mm-hmm. your toes are for the point of your shoe. This is something we associate pretty exclusively with female like toed heels today yes this was a big fashion thing in what is like the end of the 90s the early to mid 2000s and like they all look very witchy to me like yeah the shoes that were pop like you'd clothe a witch in if you were doing you know wizard of oz like very pointy yep but we use i think probably harder leather also um, so that you don't have to stuff them, mm-hmm. I assume. I never bought yes. that kind of heels. Yes, but. right, right. <laughs> that is the point. Yes, and these are very sort of soft and so on. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's a different, um, but yeah, absolutely. So this is the, um, you know, it's a sort of fun, again, right? <laughs> Fashions change drastically throughout time. Mm-hmm. But also certain things clearly, like, people like them. <laughs> pointy shoes. People like pointy leather shoes. Who is to say? Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I want to say, so this is item 20 on the Parliament Rolls for this meeting. Um, I want to give a quick shout out just to item 21. After all of that prohibition about you can and cannot do for various reasons. Um, I, 21 is actually... Um, it's a ban on imported silk of a wide variety of kinds because it's to protect the English silk spinners who are women. Okay. This is predominantly a female craft. I think we, we talked about it a lot in the, one of the female episodes, female artisan episodes. It was around, around episode 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so this is about how silk women and spinners of the crafts and occupation of silk working in the city of London, which have been the crafts of women within the same city time out of mind. Um, it says, you know, they do all these things that this is why women do this craft. Many great women do this craft. Gentlewomen, it, you know, keeps them virtuous, etc. <laughs> Uh, but now all this sort of silk is pouring in from other places and we got to put a stop to it. Um, so that, so the next one specifically uh, for the, for the silk women, by the way. Yes. Um, but anyhow, so, um, so these are some really, these are the famous English sumptuary laws. Um, Mm -hmm. we will talk about, uh, I wanted to sort of, you know, 
go go more into some of those because as I said, these these are when we talk about some trivia these are really the ones we're thinking about. Um, we'll talk mm-hmm. next time about a lot of it about some Italian. About abroad, about some Tory laws abroad, so not in England, <laughs> uh, but also okay. particularly like Italy, which is another place where you can imagine um, a lot of wealth and therefore a lot of sumptuary laws mm-hmm. that get going. They tend to be a little more interesting, like buttons. They're really into buttons and what you could and couldn't wear as far as buttons. Um, but also theirs do, in some instances, tend to be more geared towards women and what women can and cannot wear um, in ways that England sort of but isn't as much concerned about right there's certain things that come out for women like what you can have on your head right Mm -hmm. women wear more stuff on their heads. yeah and so you can't you know that you can't wear these certain types of again it's about the cost right so including what you're wearing on your head it can only wear cost this much or you know and again Mm -hmm. it's by degrees in the same way um and you know that you can't have um you can't have headdresses made out of like really fine linen, um, mm-hmm. you know, that costs more than X amount per length. <laughs> right. Um, but otherwise it's, again, it's all sort of very clearly a little more based on hierarchy than gender with the fun exception of the men and their jackets. And of course, shoes, which are very much men as well as women, but men are wearing those pointy mm-hmm. shoes. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about some others next time. And also, in addition to some of the other sumptuary laws about what you couldn't wear, um, we'll talk more about what you could wear, which, of course, really is all of the things you're being told that you can't wear. Because <laughs> that's yeah. the point. That's why you have to keep making these laws. Because yes. people, they said at the beginning of the 1463 ones that people were not paying attention, right? So they, this is why they try to add these big right. fines. Um, mm-hmm. But really, people still don't pay attention. Because people are going to buy what they can afford to buy. Um, and the yeah. same complaint happens around Europe in regard to sumptuary laws. Like, people don't pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth pointing out, also, final sort of comment. This is, of course, similar to Labor Day, with the exception, obviously, of, like, John Waters movies. Uh, I don't, you know, people, A, either don't care or certainly don't get shamed in the same way. Or don't even feel shame in the right. same way for wearing white when they shouldn't. Um, but uh, this is a very different thing from what certain groups are required to wear, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's that's a different sensibility, right? So, um, you know, if a specific group of people, you know, religious dress codes, for example, that's mm-hmm. a that's a very different thing, right? Um, yeah. We touched on a little bit again, like nuns didn't wear white and sometimes were actually forbidden from wearing it because of pride. <laughs> um, but that's different from like, there are things they certainly are required to wear, obviously. Right. Right. Um, like wearing a, a wimple. Yeah, and that's to mark you as, you know, you have to be marked as part of that group. So people know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right? A priest has to look like a priest. Judenhutte. Yes. Right? And that's, of course, the other yes. Also that, for example, Jews required to wear certain things so that you know who they are. Um, you know, depending on where you are in the world, in certain cases, like Muslims might be required to wear certain things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's another side of it. That's a different type of law. That's a different aspect of fashion. Um, but yeah. Cool. Yay. Well, just in time for probably 
Paris or Milan's Fashion Week. Yes. Here we are. Um, <laughs> until next time, you can check us out on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash askamedievalist. We still have a Twitter for some reason, at Ask a Medievalist. <laughs> or if you're on Mastodon, check out the Ask a Medievalist hashtag. Um, until next time, you know, keep your whites white and your brights bright, I guess. <laughs> and keep it medieval. Ask a Medievalist is a production of This Can't Be That Hard Studios and is not endorsed, acknowledged, or condoned by Virginia Commonwealth University or any of its constituent departments. Our theme music is Veni Veni Venias from Carmina Burana by Carl Orff, performed by the MIT Concert Choir and licensed under a Creative Commons Attributional Non-Commercial License version 3.0. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, why not tell a friend? For more on today's topic, including sources, annotations, and corrections, visit our website at www.askamedievalist.com. And if you have questions, feel free to drop us an email at questions at askamedievalist.com. Thank you.